Welcome back to the Information Security Stack, together with me, Daniel Gustafsson and Kim Hindat. Hoppa. Today, Kim, we have a couple of things that we are going to go through and talk about on the agenda. First and foremost, we got a couple of questions from a listener from last week's episode when we discussed the uh, Google Analytics uh, bits that are in uh, limbo right now and under mm. scrutiny if you are a Swedish or European provider using Google Analytics. Mm. So I'll try to read the questions. The questions were asked in Swedish. I'll try to... I'll try to uh, translate to the best of my ability. So the first thing that the uh, that the listener brings up is the pro- uh, predicament of trying to retract a consent. Meaning, if I have a web page which I have my uh, uh, my users which have given me a consent, and then they are uh, want to retract the consent, how on earth are you going to do that? That seems very very hard. Yes. The short answer is yes. Uh, It's tricky to keep track of consents and there's no really, really good software out there. I know SAP has a decent enough software to track, make consent tracking. And there are people building that. So it's not rocket science, it's a labeling in a database. But yes, it's tricky if someone wants to retract their consent to ensure that you raise anything they have given consent to. That said, it's not a crazy hard thing because it's not like a storm of people coming every day and say, I want to remove my consent. No. Uh, I mean, in the three, four years we've run this now, mm-hmm. I've had one case, one case mm. this far who actually said, I want to remove my consent. Okay, Mm. you can do that manually. So it's not like it's huge administrative burden as well. So it's not like you need crazy automated tools to do this in another manner as well. But that said, it's of course totally up to how much uh, personal data are you transferring. If you're uh, online banking, if you are a payment service, Mm -hmm. for instance. Yeah, of course you can might do a huge amount of transactions that's running through. But anyway, if you want to use them for marketing purposes, yeah, sure, they are consent-based, but rest assured, one, you won't be uh, overflowed by the crazy amount of people who want to withdraw it. Two, yeah, you might just make sure that from a value point, ask consent before you do any marketing. It's very hard to motivate that otherwise. Mm-hmm. That said, that doesn't mean that all the other transfers and processing you might do. Like for instance, if you're a bank, any account transaction, that's a totally valid process to keep mm. because that fills the other legalities based on consent. It's when you want to take that automated processing they do analyze it and use it for marketing purposes. Mm-hmm. And now we're talking different purpose. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah. But it is anyway. a bit tricky, you know, to your point. Automating it, yeah, could be tricky. 
but it could be a manual labor until for until further notice essentially. yeah so but like i said don't just look at the statistics it's not like you have an insane amount of people retracting their consent once given no exactly all right, so second question. If you want to try and be 100% compliant with the laws and regulations that are in place, but still use some sort of analytics tool, uh, which uh, tool do you recommend if we can't use Google Analytics and the free software from the American giants? Which one do we recommend then? Uh, there are several of them. So there are actually a few decent ones that both provide it as a service and both provide a software option that you can use internally. Uh, so there are a few EU staged ones. But that said, I don't also recommend that you don't use Google Analytics. You can use Google Analytics fully legal. Mm -hmm. But there are some really nice decent plugins out there that you can put in front of Google Analytics to ensure that you actually anonymize data before it goes to Google Analytics. To make it to be clear, you don't want direct single user information in Google Analytics anyway as a marketing. You want to have it anonymized from the start. So that's that's something some that you want to have so there are some awesome things and even google analytics itself is starting to provide even more options by anonymizing this data the important part is you understand how google analytics actually works mm. and understand how you can disable stuff and i my recommendation is start stop uh, stop using google analytics without knowing what you do make a proper configuration in Google Analytics and put a plugin before Google Analytics to really ensure that things are anonymized before they go to Google Analytics. Mm. You are still in charge of your own web application, so you can decide when you want to active Google Analytics or not in your web application flow. Mm. So. Exactly. All right. Good answer. All right, the third question from our listener was, mm -hmm. uh, does it matter if you use Universal Analytics or Google Analytics for GA4? Well, uh, and the a short uh, answer is no, not really. Most of the privacy options are universal and Google will transfer them mainly as well. So uh, it's still a black box scenario. You don't know what happens behind them it's far better for you to put an anonymizer before any analytics happens. Then you can be sure that you do it before anything. And second, look at the nice instructions on how to actually anonymize the service. Mm. They have really good instructions on that. Mm. That's just people tend to miss them and don't activate them. Mm. And this is a tricky thing. So no... It doesn't matter. You are, you are still you still need to <laughs> investigate and understand how the analytics works. And this is something I would like to say to digital marketers: if you work in a digital world, there's no excuse for not understanding digital processes and how digital things work. You have to do it. Sorry to say, you shouldn't write the code yourself, but you really have to understand what happens behind and the settings 
Mm. How do we configure the settings? Because this is really up to the marketing people how they want it. And then they have to check these settings do this and these settings do this. Mm -hmm. And then they have to verify that with legal. Is it okay to have these settings or not? Yeah. That. All right, awesome. And thanks for the question to begin with. Uh, we love the fact that the questions are starting to roll in. It makes this show a heck of a lot easier to do because then we don't have to figure out topics. We just answer questions, which is, well, yeah, we're lazy. So, um, so that's a good thing. But speaking of things I wanted to talk about, but I'm not allowed to uh, because things continue to happen in the world the way I feared it would. I really <laughs> hoped it wouldn't, but I'm not surprised that it does. Every now and then now it shows up that we have problems with government agencies, local councils, councils, and so on that use American hyperscalers and have now been caught in their mind in a predicament since the Schrems 2 case was a thing in mid-August of 2020. And now, lo and behold, the whole question, can we use third-party not third-party application, but third-country applications, which now America is deemed to be. Is that even possible? In Sweden, we have a bit, a bit of a, rev- a revelation this past week. The minister for our digitalization minister, we actually have one of those in Sweden, he stated that a- because of the laws, the way they are written, and the way that the actual court cases within the EU now start to fall. He sees it very unlikely that you can use an American cloud or an American hyperscaler in order to store personal data for government agencies, councils, so on. And the reason why this was brought up was because one of, or two of, I should say, uh, Swedish region states, you could call them, uh, actually made a procurement for a new platform for journal keeping in terms of um, personal action. Yeah. Hospital records. Hospital records and, and, and journals. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So they made, they made a procurement and they purchased a, um, a platform, which is an American platform called Cerner. And well, everything is happy dory, I guess. One of those uh, regions decided to keep the services on uh, servers on premise, which was their, um, when they made the risk assessment, they felt that that was the most sane thing to do. And I would agree, as at least they kept the servers in Sweden. The other state, which is one of the southern states in Sweden, decided to go with the cloud service which Cerner provided. And oh my goodness, the response was amazing. So here we are now with our Minister of Digitalization saying that that behavior was probably not the correct one. It was a big thing on TV and all of that. And Kim Hindert, are we surprised that this happens? Because even if you don't live in Sweden and listen to this, I'm pretty sure that you have the same situation in the country you live in, unless it's in, it, it is America. We have the scale. How surprised am I? Not at all. Mm. How disgusted am I? Yeah, very, very. Very. So, so that's on the opposite ends of that scale, so to mm. speak. Though. So surprised? No. Disgusted, yes. Anyway, yeah, let's be clear. They, they're def- to their defense, they say this company has an agreement. They promise to follow Swedish laws. 
they totally in the agreement promised to be totally legal in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, is that possible? And do you as a buyer have any responsibility for this? Yeah, if we take the example, I go out and buy a Tesla car for a hundred dollars or a hundred euros. And they give me a receipt and promise that it's totally legal. It's not stolen. And I can show the cops, look, I have a receipt that says it's not stolen. You know, I will end up in trouble anyway. Mm-hmm. Because there are limits on how ridiculous <laughs> your claim is. Yes, exactly. You can have before you have some legal liability of ensuring that this is not stolen. So if someone sells you stuff that's totally unreasonable, mm-hmm. yeah, you have a legal lim- limit to follow that as well. And this is exactly this case. Why is it so impossible to put a commercial agreement in place that ensures that they follow Swedish law because the rule of law in the United States and the rule of law in Sweden and within EU doesn't match each other. They're in conflict. So any American entity is of course subject to American laws first. They don't live in Europe. They don't stay in Europe. So if you live in the United States and as a US citizen, you're subject to US law long before you're subject to EU law. Mm-hmm. And now the rule of law, the legal systems in different countries can handle it this very differently. Let's take Japan as an example. They have in their constitutional law already written the permission that if we are now talking about a foreign citizen from the European Union, mm-hmm. they will not be handled and processed in the normal Japanese legal way. Their rule of law states that they should look to Europe to get the guidance to ensure that it follows the European practice as well. Yep. So, for instance, the United States might give a claim that they want information from a server. And in this case, it was servers controlled by Americans, but still residing in Sweden. But they have a claim. Their jurisdiction says they they have a global jurisdiction. Mm. So they claim that they have the right to issue a warrant and get information from servers anywhere in the world. Yes. You can really discuss... (laughs) the delusion of grandeur with a nation saying they have a total claim for anyone in the world. But Mm -hmm. anyway, this is what they do, actually. So it's perfectly legal in their country. Mm -hmm. Of course, if they come and claim that to us here at City, and believe me, they do. Every now and then they do give Mm -hmm. claims. We want data stored on your servers Mm -hmm. in Europe. I, as a European entity, can then reply and say... No, sorry, you have to go through the appropriate government channels in Europe. Mm -hmm. And then I don't hear anything more from them because they don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. If I, on the other hand, were residing in the United States, sitting in the US Mm -hmm. and being a US citizen, if I say, no, I don't want to do that, they might put me in jail. 
Yeah, because I mean, you fall under American law. If you are an American citizen, you fall under American law. If you are an American uh, company, you fall under American law. And vice versa. And this is not, uh, and people might say, oh God, the US is not that country. They're not just breaking in the laws hip some hap. Mm. No, they don't. But they follow a due process. The only problem is this due process is not the same process as we have in Europe. No. You, Europe has in no way recognized the US court process and the US court of law as something approved by the European entities. This is the opposite. This is the other way around in the United States. Mm. They say that as long as we follow our court pro process, Mm -hmm. we are fine. So imagine if we have a lot of hospital records, a US entity wants to see them and requests that you provide them to the, to their, uh, the owners of this company, provide the hospital records stored in Sweden mm. for the court to review. This is totally illegal from any Swedish and European law by default, but from a US law, from a US legal perspective, the United States court system will appoint a public defender. Yes. It's the same if I go over to the United States and kill someone. Mm. I will get a public defender, not necessarily a European public defender. No. And it's not necessarily that I will go and be trialed in Sweden. No. I will be tried in the United States by a US appointed public defender. Yes. And then the United States feel perfectly fine with you have had your day in court. Mm -hmm. So... This is also something to remember. Most of these warrants and when they want to have data, uh, uh, request data from overseas to review, you have a gag around that. You're not even allowed to tell them that you've been <laughs> giving this. So you have no, no way of objecting. But you have a public defender appointed by the court. Mm -hmm. In the United States, you even have GDPR specialists in the U.S. courts to ensure that you follow the GDPR law. But they are in no way appointed or have any power granted by the European agencies. No, no. They're, they're not so, so this is a total, mm. total inner workings of the European of the U U.S. court systems and nothing else. Mm -hmm. And they maintain that once the public defenders have been able to defend you and court issues a ruling, mm. you have had your due process yes. and everything is perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. So this is just a matter of a difference of opinion of the different court systems or the different rules of law. Uh, and the US does not respect that the EU have different laws than the United States. They say their laws trump that. And then you can understand that it's totally, totally impossible to write any type of commercial agreements that overrule the legal practice in the country mm. <laughs> where the entity stays. Yeah. We can be sure that we follow GDPR in Europe because we don't have any chance. We, we can't do anything else that's breaking the law here. No. So, yeah. So we cannot write any legal agreement that doesn't follow GDPR. That's not possible. We don't have a choice. No, no commercial agreement no. will be accepted. That's not so. We have to follow GDPR. All right. So I got the question. Or I got the statement this week that. But you know what? We signed a contract with the Swedish AB, meaning the Swedish entity of this American company, whichever mm -hmm. it might not be Cerner, but it could be whichever company that has a Swedish affiliation. 
I wrote my contract with them, the AB in Sweden. That should be sufficient enough because they are a Swedish company in this case, or it could be a Danish or a Czech Republic or German or whatever. And but exactly. And then you are obligated as the buyer to make a risk assessment. Mm-hmm. And the seller is obligated to tell you who has access. Mm-hmm. Whoever has access. And when you see that the United people stationed in the United States have access to these servers, they might be subject from a government to say hand over the information you have access to. Mm-hmm. So no you are still obligated to make that risk assessment. Mm. And that's so, yeah. Uh, and this is just how the de- different legal systems, but just to be clear, it's not like United States do is <sighs> crazy hips on hap or no, something. I mean, they do no, follow they their follow their Yes, to your point, they follow yeah. their law and their procedures. Yes. Which are fine in America. There are American procedures. They're absolutely correct. Issues that they don't apply apply in Europe, but they and that's where the United States differ a lot from other countries in the world, even United Kingdom. Mm. When it comes to things, all things UK citizens, yeah, then they resolve it in their own court system mm-hmm. for their own for their own case. But as soon as it's talk, we're talking about international citizens. Then even the United Kingdom applies in their legal practice a process where they reach out to the court system in, in, in place. And when it directly comes to European stuff, they send this to, for instance, Ireland or across the pond to a European court to be handled and processed for European citizens because they want to make sure that you follow the European processes and procedures mm. instead of the so this is uh, this is just United States and this is especially important since they have a lot of different <laughs> ways of handling stuff if you're a US citizen citizen mm. than if you're not a US citizen. And this is also something that critique this is the main reason why Schrems actually <laughs> manage the, why yeah. privacy shield is gone why yeah. safe harbor is gone yeah. this is back to the basics the rule of law in the united states is not adapted to make you secure unless you're a u.s citizen and the other citizens it's not no and uh, yeah so and this and this is where the whole dispute is And, and uh, once again, and I will now defend the Americans. I don't blame them. I really don't because they've been attacked in various uh, terrorist attacks and so on. And they have every right to protect their intellectual property and, and, and their citizens the way they see fit. The problem is that the way they see fit does not, ma- does not match the way Europe and other parts of the world see their legal system. And the way they want to protect every citizen, no matter which country you're from. So that's just that's just a split in opinion. That's all there is to it. And that split of opinion is now causing all of these issues. And so, do we see America changing and US changing this anytime soon? Let us remind you of one thing. The rules that are in place currently was established by an American president called Barack Obama. You might think that just because we went through four years of craziness with Mr. Trump and some things were good, but most were weird. 
he was actually not the one who put these laws in place. It was put in place by the previous administration with Barack Obama. And who was his vice president? Ta-da! Joe Biden. So I heard this notion that, well, now Biden is, is in the office and he will fix this. No. no. Why should he? Believe in, he believes in this as well. He was yes. actually one part of the administration that enforced it. So do we change, see a change anytime soon? I doubt it. I really do. I think we're going to be stuck in this in this predicament for quite some time. So don't rely on agreements that try and overrule the league rule of law in the nation where it's supposed to be applicable to. No. That doesn't work. That's fruitless endeavor, even yeah. if you want to do the opposite, write a write a legal agreement that goes against GDPR with a European company. That still doesn't work. I cannot sign any agreement that will be valid in Europe that breaks GDPR. Mm. It just doesn't work. I'm subject to European laws first and foremost. So no commercial agreement can change the law in the nation you're stationed in. No. That's never been the point, uh, the, the case, so. All right, and now this week the notion came up that GDPR is already uh, unfruitful, it's old, mm. it doesn't support all technical systems, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't really matter. The law is the law as it stands right now, and we have to adapt to it, simply put. Mm. But do we have conflicting laws in the world? Yes, we do. And that is the reason why we we are in the situation we are. I really, 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 really wish we could use American services. I like them. I like them a lot. I really wish we had one law throughout the world to handle how to handle personal data. I really wish we did, but we don't. And the reason why is politics. The data is now so important. It holds a value far beyond the fact that it's just someone's personal data. It can now affect elections. It can affect economies. It can affect who will hold the power for the next 20 to 30 to 40 years in the world in terms of superpowers, meaning Data is not only a data transfer anymore. It's a yeah. commodity. Just look back a few years at the biggest companies in the world, the most profitable companies in the world. A few years back, it was oil companies mm-hmm. only in the top 10 list. A few years before that, it was banks mm-hmm. only in the top 10 list. Today, yeah, it's IT. It's data. Yes. Apple, Alphabet, mm. Amazon, Alibaba. Microsoft. Yeah. yeah, so the list is long. Mm. So this is the whole point, and this is why we. we... I know I use. I mean, your favorite quote is "Don't look for a unicorn," but I, I and I kind of feel that that's what people are doing. They're looking for that pink, beautiful unicorn that will fix all of our problems because we don't want to change. But I, the, the, it's the situation is here now. This is what it is. And trying to blindly trust an agreement just because in the agreement they say they will. Okay, does it actually hold water? Are they actually, can they actually fulfill what the agreement states? And if you doubt it, and if the risk assessment says probably not, don't sign those contracts, please. Because next week, I want to talk about business culture. I do not want to talk about Companies or councils or uh, government agencies screwing up their IT 
solutions and signing contracts, which just make no sense because, man, I really want to talk about something else. I doubt it, though. I guess we're going to be here next week talking about something else that was in the newspapers <laughs> or in the TV or media or press or whatever it was. But it's time to get out of that loop now. Really, it is. But you're smiling because you know someone already had, because I know which article you're thinking about, and I know exactly what we're going to talk about next week. But <laughs> if the world is sane next week, we will talk about business culture and um, how to make solid decisions. But we'll probably talk about something else. <laughs> and that's where we are. So if you want to participate or if you want to uh, ask us questions, if you have anything you want to add to this podcast, please visit citynetwork.eu slash podcast. You will find all the episodes there. Links, descriptions. And if you want to ask, uh, ask questions as previously um, was stated in, the, in, the, in this uh, episode, feel free to do that. If you want to join in and participate in the podcast, we are more than happy to bring you along to have someone else to talk to. But until then, if you're listening before the weekend like it is today, it's a Friday. I hope you have a great weekend. If it is early in the week, have an awesome week. Talk to you soon. Hope up.